0: KYW Original Podcasts.
1: This is KYW In Depth. I'm Tom Rickert. For the first week in June, Philadelphia was under a citywide curfew. And that is a momentous thing. It's been decades at least since the last time a curfew like that was put in place in Philly. So, we wanted to learn a little bit more about curfews what kind of power local governments have, what the courts have said, how long could a city keep a curfew in place? All kinds of fascinating questions when you're talking about the power to restrict freedoms like a curfew can do. So I'm going to turn it over to KYW Suburban Bureau Chief, friend of the podcast, Jim Melwert. Jim wanted to get some answers to these questions and more, so he called up Dr. Michael Moreland. He's a professor of law at Villanova University. And he has some interesting insights about curfews and the powers of local and state governments. Here's the conversation with Dr. Moreland and Jim Melwert.
0: Just kind of an overview of the constitutionality or or what courts have decided on curfews.
2: Right. Well, generally, states and local governments have broad authority. We call it the police power sometimes. That doesn't just mean the power of the police themselves, but uh, broad authority to enact measures necessary to combat public health emergencies, uh, civil unrest and the like. And that includes the power to enact curfews. In fact, I mean, there are a lot of localities, including Philadelphia, that have Curfews in place uh, all the time for minors, uh, and in the face of things like uh, civil unrest, they can also enact broader curfews. And it's similar in many ways to the uh, authority to enact the lockdowns that we've all been living through the last couple months. It's uh, a broad authority that the states, local governments have. Now, of course, they're they're limited uh, in certain respects. I mean, they, uh, they they you know presumably couldn't go on for. Too long they can 't be enforced in uh, certain kinds of discriminatory manners and and so forth, but as to the authority itself uh, it 's there in the general authority that states and local governments have
0: and you, you touched on something there that I, that i 'm curious about with the, the the discriminatory manner and you know can 't go on forever and and you know there have to be limitations and and this might be one of those questions that's just you know the nuance makes it hard to answer. But, but where is the line on that? Where's the line on, on when it becomes discriminatory? Where's the line on when it, it, it's in place too long or, you know, people argue no longer need it? Those kind of things.
2: Right. Well, if if the government is facing a, an emergency of some kind, it, it has these tools to address uh, concerns about public order and civil unrest. But right. I mean, there there are these limitations with regard to discrimination, for example. So you couldn't, enact a curfew and have it administered with respect to say race discrimination to take an obvious example Um, but you could enact it in ways that it was geographically specific you could enact it in ways that it lasts at least for the time necessary to combat the emergency whatever it is but you know as 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 the time goes on when the curfew is in place at a certain point, you would, I think, start to have serious civil liberties concerns that the government was being overreactive in implementing a curfew relative to the risk uh, of civil unrest or public health concerns and the like. And so just as we've seen in the lockdown context, you've, you've seen some litigation starting to percolate up with people challenging the shutdown orders there. So also with these curfews, you could imagine that if they went on for uh, you know, another week, two, three, something like that, that at a certain point, it would look like the government was wielding too big of a hammer for a problem that was not any longer that
0: serious. Have you, are, are there well-known maybe court cases that have worked their way up? Are there are there kind of well-known arguments against curfews or, you know, in, in the case of COVID, a, a stay-at-home order? Are, are there things that people generally point to?
2: you can imagine cases where a a curfew was being imposed as a pretext for uh, stopping peaceful demonstrations or other exercises of freedom of speech. And to the extent that a plaintiff in that kind of case could establish that that was the underlying purpose of the curfew, then we've seen cases in which sometimes courts have been been willing to uh, look behind the reasons for imposing a curfew and say that it's really about preventing, say, peaceful demonstrations. There are some cases from the civil rights era that address some of these concerns. Or, as I said before, any kind of racial discrimination or other kinds of ways in which there were nefarious forms of discrimination in the way in which a curfew was being enforced and administered.
0: And again, I don't know if, you know, obviously if I ask you a question, it's just unanswerable, (laughs) then that's the answer. But is there... Is there kind of an understanding with curfews? I, I don't really know how to phrase what I'm what I'm thinking. A bad comparison would be something like stop and frisk.
2: So there's um, it, built into any kind of uh, restriction like this, including a curfew, is some measure of discretion for the police to enforce them. Obviously, that's become even more vexed in the in the current context. But there is some flexibility and some discretion that the police have and and the curfew ordinances themselves usually have provisions for uh, example, going to and from your place of work or otherwise going about some kind of lawful business. It's really though meant to give authorities uh, an extra tool to prevent at the outset, any, uh, any kind of nighttime uh, uh, unrest that, uh, that they're concerned about.
0: A quick Google search kind of turned up just some, I, I believe the line was, you know, the, the higher, higher courts have never really weighed in on this, that it's kind of, um, you know, there is a a bit of, I think confusion was one word. I don't know if that's the right word, but but uh, it looks like, you know, Supreme Court's never really taken this on. Is, is that correct? Is it more of kind of an open-ended type thing?
2: Well, I mean, given that these these things tend to come up very quickly, it's not the kind of litigation that uh, would, very often, get to the point of reaching the U.S. Supreme Court. For example, I mean, there certainly are a line of free speech cases in which various kinds of restrictions uh, were being used to prevent people from uh, demonstrating, speaking out, protesting in certain kinds of places. And there, you have a you know doctrine that the, the in the free speech area where you have to have a fit between the restriction that the government is imposing and some permissible government interest such as in this context, preventing uh, civil unrest or preventing, as with the lockdowns, preventing spread of a virus. But when the fit isn't there anymore, that is to say where the government is using too onerous a restriction to address a problem that is actually relatively insubstantial, that's when the free speech concerns start to kick into higher gear. I think as long as there's a reasonable basis to be concerned about looting and property damage and other kinds of violent unrest. I think that public authorities are uh, acting lawfully insofar as they're enacting curfews that are meant to address that. Uh, Sometimes we talk about in the law, we talk about reasonable time, place and manner restrictions so that if you're imposing restrictions as to the time, place and manner of protesting and demonstrating and carrying on free speech, but where you allow for other outlets. So for example, daytime peaceful protests Things like that, then the free speech concerns are reduced. And the concern about, of course, especially at, at night, um, that where there the concerns about uh, protests turning violent and uh, turning into uh, pro- uh, instances of looting and property damage, that's where I think the, the public authorities are acting uh, within what the law gives them.
0: That's great, exp- that make that great explanation right there. So basically, they can't say, we're going to put a curfew in at 3 p.m. because because there's a big protest planned for 3 p.m. well and that's about right example. but they, they so they basically right. can't set curfews to yeah
2: and uh, that that's our that, as i said before that's that's the pretext concern right the concern that we don't want public authorities acting under the color of law to say that uh, we need to impose a 24-hour curfew or something like that in order to uh, when what they're really trying to do is to chill free speech but if the restriction is tailored to the government's interest in preventing property damage and other kinds of violence, then that's where the law is, is friendlier to the exercise of public authority in those cases.
0: I don't, I don't know if you can provide any historical context for me, but not even considering, and, and I guess I don't know if, if you can separate the, the stay-at-home orders for, with, with COVID-19, but, but just the, the curfews in Philadelphia and, and Upper Marion and Upper Darby, do you recall a time in recent history where we've seen the use of curfews like this
2: not depending on what you mean by recent uh, I mean there there you know there were um, in the uh, in the context of nineteen sixty eight for example in the um, assassinations of Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy, some urban areas did enact curfews and in the uh, wake of the Rodney King protests in Los Angeles so there have been these instances where we've had Similar kinds of incidents that have resulted in both peaceful protesting, but also some uh, violent demonstrations, and those are the contexts in which, uh, again, the free speech concerns have to be balanced out with the public safety concerns that uh, that curfews are meant to address.
0: So we're looking back at the the, the civil rights movement back in, the, well, I guess more appropriately, as you put it, the the assassinations right for for timer. this kind
2: of general curfew, again, the, you know places like Philadelphia, a lot of cities do have curfews for minors, um, but uh, those those are for this purpose a different concern. This kind of broad based curfew for everyone is is something that you see only rarely invoked, in part again because I think of some of these concerns about restricting people's liberty of movement, restricting people's ability to gather to express themselves. Uh, and be trying to be sure that when something like this is imposed that uh, the onerous nature of it is necessary to combat uh, a serious problem.
0: The juvenile curfews is is that like a whole other can of worms or I'm just curious how that that's okay what the uh, the legality of that is basically
2: well again that when when unaccom- when minors are unaccompanied by their parents or by other responsible adults concerns about um, uh, about truancy, for example, from school, and so there are a set of concerns about about minors in particular, which is why you sometimes, in some places, you see these juvenile curfews. But again, there it's tailored to uh, specific concerns about uh, maybe uh, juvenile crime, and of course they they tend not to be quite as restrictive as this. They tend to be, say, 10 p.m. or midnight, uh, something like that. The concerns here have obviously resulted in earlier curfews uh, and a lot more concern about not so much just juveniles, but of course, uh, you know, people across the board.
1: That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Tom Rickert. We'll have another episode out soon.